welcome to the second episode, I guess. I didn't really think about whether it should be called an episode or not before I started making this. Part two? Episode two? I don't know. Episode seems wrong because it's not really episodic. But anyway, welcome to the second of whatever this is. I've called it Desiderata, uh, which is the title of a poem, uh, which I think is relevant to the subject and purpose of this series of recordings. Um, but it also has its own meaning, and it is essentially uh, that which is desired, uh, something that you are seeking, something that you, you wish to find, you wish to have. Um, your desiderata. Um, <clears throat> and I find that in my current situation, I really wanting to find something like a faith. Uh, I was raised Catholic, and when the world is falling apart, you still have this sort of uh, muscle memory that there is some uh, organizing principle to the world that should inform me on how to behave at this exact moment and in every facet of life how to organize my life how to uh, what what career to take up what work to do uh, how to invest my time what kind of people to associate with how to manage relationships how to find a community that would be supportive and right now I basically have nothing. Um, I have some relationships with my parents, a few friends here and there, but I've mostly uh, dropped out of society in the sense that I don't know what's going on at all. Um, I live with these sort of um, bi-monthly terrorist attacks, really, um, uh, against the police and the institutions in the town where I live, uh, I, of course, just happen to be in the vicinity of those institutions because I live in the downtown area, uh, close to where all of the things are, all of the centralized institutions have their offices and centers around here. So I am sort of unwittingly put in the crosshairs of uh, all this chaos. And combining that with the isolation and um, forced isolation of the pandemic, um, it, it kind of put me into a strange state of mind that I would compare to someone going out into the woods to live uh, in an isolated cabin for the next year or two. Um, obviously, I'm not really hunting my own food or anything. It's not in a literal sense, but more in the sense that I don't feel like I am integrated in society. I have no idea what's going on. Anything that happens that seems like a mass movement is takes on the form of someone pointing a gun at my head in a way 
Uh, literally, there were people with guns walking around my neighborhood a couple weeks ago. And I've received no sympathy at all from any of my supposed friends uh, who back the political motivations of some of these people um, and don't seem to think that it's a big deal that it's impacting the safety and sanity of their actual friend. Um, and that has made me very kind of embittered. Um, I find myself increasingly just wanting to withdraw and that's when I start reading philosophy again. And so I would say the title Desiderata is <clears throat> in a way, I think maybe this project uh, is, is just a recorded form of my actual project that I'm pursuing with philosophy, which is to kind of reconstruct Catholicism without the bad parts, without the baggage, um, without the mindless following of ritual, um, and, and without some of the uh, repression and denial. Um, and I'm also doing this under duress because I need that. I need that faith now, and I have to construct it much like uh, a woodsman going off into the wilderness and chopping down logs to construct um, a structure from, from nothing. Um, I have to go out into the wilderness of the world of ideas. Um, and it has become a wilderness. It is overrun. Um, there are no uh, stable structures. And I, I have to go out and chop down the, the trees of philosophy and put them together to build a house that I can live in. That house will be whatever faith or personal philosophy or personal motivation that I end up following. So anyways, without rambling on too much more, in this second episode, I am going to talk about the cynics. And uh, by contrast, so we talked about the Stoics. Um, Nietzsche hates the Stoics, but Nietzsche loves the cynics, and particularly loves Diogenes. Um, and you can kind of see why. We'll get into the details of who Diogenes was and some of his antics, I would say. Um, you'll start to understand, once you know a little bit about Nietzsche as well, how, uh, how all of this uh, stuff that the cynics go on about would appeal to Nietzsche. So, uh, without too much of an ado, um, uh, here goes the rest of it. All right, so you're going to hear a lot of noise in the background because the building I live in has decided to do a ton of construction projects that are very loud and annoying. They decided global pandemic, race riots, 
civil war, big scary election where everyone's gonna bash each other's fucking skulls in. Now is the time. Let's get out there. Let's do some major construction on the building so that the people who are trapped inside it, who can't go anywhere else, are forced to listen to it 24-7. So, thanks so much. Never live at an Amway building. So, I want to talk about uh, the cynics. Uh, We talked a little bit about uh, the Stoics in the first issue of whatever this podcast is. Um and uh, talked a little bit about Marcus Aurelius. Um, I touched briefly on Epictetus, but not very much. Um, the Stoics have, um, have their place. You know, they, um, they, they influenced Christianity a lot. Um, the, the early church fathers uh, knew about them. In fact, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, uh, the apostles, when they go out into you know, Roman provinces or go around Greece, uh, they, uh, they run into Stoics and like the Stoic sages and the, you know, these people out in the, in the marketplaces preaching about philosophy, uh, they are often the ones who convert to Christianity, uh, because they're, they're interested in what the apostles have to say. Uh, they actually, there's actually a, uh, I think in Acts 17, uh, there's a whole passage about um, some Stoic philosophers in the streets uh, being like, "Oh, tell us about this Jesus fellow. What are you, what are you guys going on about resurrection?" Um, so the Stoics were around, and uh, at the same time that the early Christians were coming around, so many Stoics became Christians. Stoicism influenced Christianity, uh, early Christianity, and um, so it's really worth studying if you're a Christian or not. Um, <clears throat> Stoicism, um, we can kind of think as one of the big schools in the ancient Greek world. Um, uh, another important one, which I'm going to go into because uh, it has a, a good lead into Nietzsche, who I, I would want to talk about next. Uh, this school is called the Cynics, and uh, you've probably heard the term cynic before, or cynical. Uh, so our, our modern term, cynic or cynical, uh, does not really reflect the philosophy of the Cynics. Uh, the Cynics were a philosophical school um, that tends to uh, preach self-determination, independence, uh, and um, uh, I guess sort of what you might think of as like minimalistic living nowadays, uh, or simple living. Um, But uh, they didn't really have... um, Well, you know, when you think of the 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 English term cynic or cynical, uh, you think that uh, it's very negative. Um, there are people who have maybe had some kind of embittering experiences in life. Um, they're maybe um, uh, fearful people, 
people who uh, are jaded and old and bitter and cranky and they're cynical. They've become cynical um, by going through some kind of terrible experience that has made them cynical. They've given up hope. Uh, that is not the case for the Greek cynics. In fact, um, the cynics actually quite hopeful about human nature, I would say. Uh, they, uh, they do shun society in, in some sense. Um, a cynical or, or a cynic society uh, looks a lot more like uh, an agrarian society where everyone is a subsistence farmer. Um, less so like a Stoic society, which, uh, you know, the Stoics were all in favor of cosmopolitan living cities. You know, they, they wanted to see, see cities uh, become bigger and, and more successful. And that was where they preached all of their philosophy was in the in the Stoa, the marketplaces of, uh, of uh, the ancient world, uh, hence their name, the Stoics. They're named after the Stoa. Uh, so the cynics, let's, let's talk about them for, for a minute, just to give an overview before <clears throat> getting too far down. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to work mostly off of a, a really a good overview. Uh, it's a Penguin Classics, uh, uh, the Cynic Philosophers from Diogenes to Julian. Uh, so we are going to talk about... Get out of here. My cat is attacking me. Uh, so we're going to talk about, uh, first, some of the uh, virtues or, or themes of the Cynics that, uh, that this volume um, identifies. Because I think this is really important to understand what it means to be a cynic before we actually talk about some of the characters in in cynicism uh namely diogenes diogenes is probably the most interesting the most entertaining one um and he uh there's not really anything written by diogenes that's still around uh he mostly exists in legend um as uh i mean we know he existed in real life but we don't have you know his work to refer to. We just have things that others have, have written about, uh, about Diogenes. So the first, uh, first key cynic theme is <clears throat> parhesia, parhesia or freedom of speech. Uh, now this is, is not so much freedom of speech in the sense of the, the American revolutionary concept, freedom of speech, uh, um, it's not uh, the the right to uh, speech, but rather um, you might think about it in terms of radical honesty, um, simply speaking your truth uh, all the time, even if it hurts people, even if it's rude. Uh, it's sort of just letting that uh, that socially appropriate persona that you put on to uh, appease people, to, to, uh, to, to keep up in polite company, um, letting that kind of fall away and instead channeling your inner uh, truth, just speaking what, how you feel, uh, just like an animal would. And in fact, that's, that's another thing I think 
that's useful for understanding the cynics is they really look at animal nature as the good part of human nature and they look at the um, socialized self as sort of the bad part of human nature. Right, so <clears throat> parhesia, parhesia, it's, it's essentially speak frankly and brazenly and, uh, and, and in, in a way that will bring about the truth, that will bring uh, so, uh, society's conscience to the foreground. Um, uh, you know, so for, for, for kind of an example of, of how we don't have that now, you know, you might, you might think about like politically correct speech, right? Like there are, um, uh, people who are afraid to, to speak their <clears throat> view on, on contemporary political issues because, uh, they're afraid of being shunned or, um, or derided or, or in some way have their reputation damaged. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and as a result, you know, we don't have, we don't have a free society. We don't have parhesia. Um, you know, in, in, uh, cynic society, um, everyone would be getting offended all the time because people would just be saying how they feel. People would say, oh, I have, I am biased against this person, or I am, you know, I, I, I do not like this type of person or this political persuasion, um, or I am afraid of you because you are a, a blank, right? So, um, <clears throat> anyway, the cynics believe that, that speaking the truth is better than, uh, sort of keeping things bottled up. All right, so self-sufficiency, uh, this is also called autarkeia. Um, this is uh, essentially that the cynics value <clears throat> not relying on others or on uh, the the fruits of society uh, for your basic needs. So the the extreme example in a lot of these cases is going to be Diogenes. Diogenes, we'll, we'll get into him in a minute, but Diogenes was essentially. Uh, the the pinnacle of the cynics, and he uh, he would walk around just sort of eating lentils and other other um, things that he found uh, along the side of the road in Greece, rather than uh, buy any kind of food or uh, or have a farm or any any kind of agriculture. He uh, he he shunned all material possessions and just lived in the marketplace or wandering around town, eating scraps here and there. Um, he would beg for, you know, food and water in the square. Um, and, uh, and people, um, people gave him, you know, scraps here and there, but he did not, uh, he, he preferred to get his nutrients just from wandering through the wilderness or wandering along the roads, eating, wild lentils and all these different foods that apparently were available in, uh, <clears throat> in ancient Greece. Um, but you know, these were, these were kind of wretched things to eat. They were not, um, the proper thing to eat. Um, but this was one of the values is that you could exist without the fruits of society and you didn't depend on, you know, having a house and having, uh, a job and some kind of standing in society. You were just kind of living like an animal again, wandering around, eating whatever you can find. 
All right, the next is, I'm not even going to give the translation for this one because I think it's misleading, uh, ascesis. Uh, so ascesis is uh, basically putting yourself in difficult situations to test yourself and to build up your resolve. So it, it's sort of like instead of um, taking the easy way or the comfortable way of doing things, you try to take the most difficult, most uncomfortable way of doing things. Um, so, you know, it might be, uh, let's say you had to, uh, you had your, your job is a 20-minute a drive away, but you could get there if you walked in an hour and a half. Um, you know, the, the cynic way of doing that would be to prefer the walk and, or make the walk as often as you reasonably could because uh, you are training your mind to not ex- ex- uh, expect the luxury of having a car driving you around. So um, Diogenes, again, is the ex- extreme example of all these, but many other cynics, I think members of the cynic school who were just sort of normal philosophers, uh, found more, you know, these are things to do in, in some degree to train yourself to achieve the virtues that the cynics are aiming for. Um, Not so much a absolute rule for life that you have to immediately start, you know, walking backwards everywhere because it's harder. Um, So any of these can be taken in the wrong way if you uh, don't understand what the the purpose is. Um, But basically it's, it's embracing hardship. Uh, ascesis is embracing hardship. It's trying to uh, prepare yourself for, you know, if things get worse in your life, um, you you don't want to be pampered and weak because you're you're so used to this nice, comfortable existence. Uh, you really want to get used to being uncomfortable and and having things go wrong and having to do things the hard way. Um, and I think that's uh, that's one value that we can definitely get a lot out of nowadays. Okay, so next up is carteria or uh, self control. Um, this one uh, is probably a little easier to understand. I think this probably is more obviously uh, taken up by the the early church. Um, so. Uh, this is kind of like uh, having having the um, uh, capacity to uh, to keep going with your your uh, philosophical bent, even when you're you're put into a challenging position, or or you're you're being made to renounce your convictions. Um, you know the the example they give is Socrates uh, refusing to, you know, bend the knee, so to speak, um, and and instead just taking the hemlock. Uh, he he oh, he is a, an example of a person who endured underneath uh, what would have been to anyone very stressful circumstances, but um, Socrates did not uh, waver in his convictions. So that's basically what is meant by this. Uh, self-control. It's it's um, keeping your uh, virtue even when 
you know, you're put into a more stressful situation. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of the virtues, um, and uh, and next we will kind of go over uh, Diogenes himself. Uh, Diogenes, if you're a cynic, Diogenes is like your Jesus. Um, not in that he had any claim of of divine origin, but uh, rather that he was uh, taken to be the the pinnacle example for. Uh, any cynic to follow, and uh, your your goal as a cynic was to, you know, try to adhere to these principles. Uh, there's a purpose for for them. It's not simply, you know, this is the the way to do things because, you know, this book says so, or because you know some um, deity will will judge you if you don't. But rather, it this will help you to establish virtue and um and in the socratic tradition uh virtue is its own reward right so you're you're developing your character you're becoming a better more virtuous person um and diogenes is uh kind of the uh it'd be interesting to hear someone's take on diogenes who doesn't know anything about him because i learned about him in college, and I, and so I've been kind of thinking about Diogenes for a long time. Uh, he's he's sort of like the crazy version of Socrates. So you know, while Socrates it, it definitely embodies some of these cynic uh, attributes of uh, speaking the truth, you know, even when it's unpopular, um, kind of uh, uh, sticking to your guns. Um, even when, you know, someone's about to kill you for your views, refusing to renounce your views and just saying, well, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm adhering to nature, you know, uh, tough nuggets. Uh, so Socrates is, you know, kind of embodies that side of it very well. Um, but Diogenes is kind of like, what if Socrates was also, uh, just like a crazy asshole who, um, who, who had absolutely no regard at all for society. You know, Socrates, he, he talks a lot of shit about society, but he was a, an upper-class person. He had a respectable father. Um, he had a wife and children. Uh, he had a, a, you know, he had a position in Athenian society that was respected. Um, and he had a military background. Like, we know all these things about Socrates. He was, he was a respectable guy. Um, you know, he might have been kind of like your, your John McCain of the, of the day. Like, uh, not to say that John McCain is any kind of philosophical background. But, uh, you know, he, he had some kind of military background. He was a statesman. Um, and then he became this kind of public figure, this philosopher. Um, but he had, you know, he was incorporated into Athenian society. Diogenes, on the other hand, is kind of like a crazy, raving, homeless man who, uh, uh, he had some kind of background. Um, his father, uh, according to legend, he and his father had gotten in trouble for, uh, counterfeiting money. And, uh, that was, his his original crime and then he he like ran away from 
uh, from the law or something after after that happened. And that, anyways, this became a, a, a legend of sorts about Diogenes. So he's, you know, contrasted to Socrates, he's not this, um, this uh, respectable, um, uh, <clears throat> almost like professional kind of guy. He's not, uh, he doesn't have the chops of, of Socrates to, that, that, you know, Socrates, the thing with Socrates is he always could just say, you know, I was just messing with you guys, forget about all this philosophy stuff, forget about, you know, all the truth seeking and all that you know, let's just get along, like, let's just run civil society, um, you know, so Diogenes has, uh, has none of those, um, burdens, or, or, uh, he has no way of getting out of his predicament, I guess, um, hello, and so, uh, we can kind of see Diogenes as, you know, in one way, he's sort of like the crazy version of Socrates, um, but he also has some pretty interesting uh, legends and stories about him that uh, give us um, a very uh, extreme and bold vision of what a cynic philosopher would look like. So we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, now, Diogenes. Diogenes, again, is the basically the father of uh, cynicism or the pinnacle uh some call him the mad socrates um but boy is he just very entertaining uh so let's let's go with uh some of the sort of legendary stories about diogenes because i think that uh as a legend he's um very interesting uh so let's start with uh how Diogenes uh, was came to came to Athlon, or came to be a, a philosopher. Um, first of all, there is a story that he was basically captured by pirates, and he was then uh, sold into slavery, um, and uh, brought to Corinth. And a uh, oh, I'm sorry, he was brought to Crete, and he was he was uh, put in slavery, and a a Corinthian. Uh, went to uh, to buy him, and um, he uh, he basically tried to um, argue that he should be treated better as a slave because uh, why would you, for example, like why would you want to uh, buy a uh, a new car and then uh, tear up the fabric and and treat it badly and buy cheap. Uh, cleaning supplies for it or um, scuff up the insides like why wouldn't you take care of something if you were going to buy it so hey you're going to buy me as a slave well you should really you know get me some nice fat chicken to eat for dinner Um, and he he made this uh, argument so convincingly that his masters actually did it and in fact, Diogenes even got some food for the rest of the slaves, and he he split his share with them. Uh, when he was asked, you know, as a slave, what can you do for me? He would actually try to argue to to get bought by the uh, the slavers. Um, he would argue um, in, on his defense as why he's a useful slave that he was able uh, his skill was not you know 
digging or um, you know manual labor or whatever uh, uh, agriculture that whatever reason that uh, slaves would have been bought at the time uh, but rather his uh, skill that he had was he could govern men so his uh, his his power or his strength is that he was able to uh, conduct uh, tell people how to live essentially um, so this is a this is sort of a legend but it's 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 repeated enough that you know it may have actually happened um, the sale of Diogenes and he uh, he eventually managed to uh, get bought by a wealthy Corinthian um, Zeniades who who bought him to uh, be the uh, tutor for his children and you know in the days of old you had a private teacher for your children if you were a wealthy person so uh, so Zeniades bought Diogenes as a teacher uh, and he then that's how he came into Corinth and and from then he eventually went on to to become a philosopher but uh, yeah so um, he uh, apparently he taught them you know poetry and prose writers uh, he taught them all of this uh, uh, how to live very simply um, Diogenes was famous he wore no undershirt he went barefoot he was very quiet he did not speak very much and uh, he he'd also taught to not let your gaze wander when you are walking in the streets so look straight ahead look with purpose uh, and don't be distracted by the things around you um, he also apparently trained in hunting and uh, apparently the children of Zeniades loved him so much that he was treated very well and his reputation uh, then was uh, spread everywhere so this sort of pirate story uh, is that you know he was captured by pirates and then you know, just through his own virtue of being such a good teacher and um, a good orator, he was able to argue his way up to becoming uh, something much better than his his fate would have been if he were just uh, kind of ho-hum, uh, I guess I'm a slave now, and just kind of went on with his drudgery and uh, gave up. <laughs> so just to, to bookmark, uh, or bookend, I should say, uh, Diogenes' life, uh, the way that he died, according to legend, is, uh, is that he, uh, he dared to eat raw octopus. He, he, he was always looking at ways to cut out unnecessary things from his life or from uh, things that he owned. Uh, he, he famously, he had a bowl of water was, as his only... Uh, possession that he would use the bowl to scoop up water from the public fountains and that's how he got his water um, but then he saw a, a child scooping up water with his bare hands and he immediately threw out the bowl because he didn't need it so the the legend of how he died is that he uh <laughs> he wanted to cu cut out the cooking process of meat um, because it, it's maybe it's an unnecessary step so uh, one day he ate a raw octopus, and uh, and apparently he got, he was seized by colic, uh, and he died. Uh, that that's one possibility. The other legend is that he uh, 
he just held his breath until he died. <laughs> he just refused. He just refused to breathe anymore and just passed away. Uh, of course, these are kind of legendary things, but you're you're starting to get from these stories kind of a, a sense of who Diogenes was. And these are you can kind of think of these as like tall tales, right? They're kind of like uh, you know, Paul Bunyan. Uh, he he kind of takes on this larger than life uh, character that really embodies uh, what the cynics are trying to get at. So another uh, famous story about Diogenes is his total lack of regard for powerful people or rich people or people who were famous. Uh, so uh, Alexander the Great apparently heard about Diogenes and knew that he was this great sage, this great thinker, and came to visit him one day. Um, so you have, you know, Alexander the Great comes in with, you know, all of his his troops and probably, you know, playing some kind of uh, big announcement, you know, as he comes into the, the square and and proceeds to go meet this great sage. And Diogenes is just lying in the street. Uh, maybe he's propped up against uh, a barrel. He was famous for living in a barrel and living among the dogs. Um, and he <clears throat> imagined that he's just sort of looks like a homeless guy he's he's all scruffy he doesn't wear shoes he doesn't wear a shirt um he's kind of laying about in a pile of trash uh and surrounded by wild dogs in the street and alexander the great comes all this way to see him and he thinks that he's this amazing amazing sage and he comes up to him and you know he he praises diogenes and says that you know you're, you are a great and wise man, and I've heard much of your tales. Uh, Diogenes uh, apparently did have books that he had published at the time. Of course, none of them have survived, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and, and he asks, you know, Alexander asks Diogenes, what can I give you, like, what can I give you that, you, that would be of, of value to you? Like, how can I reward you, essentially? And Diogenes just looks at him and says, you can get out of the way and let me get the sun. Alexander's shadow is casting over him, Diogenes lying in the street and blocking the sunshine. So Diogenes has no regard at all for this very powerful figure, Alexander, who is highly regarded, has all of this power, could easily kill him, and all he thinks is, you're blocking my sunlight. Get out of the way. And Alexander did not kill him for this. Alexander walked away, and his his takeaway from that encounter was, if I were not Alexander, I would want to be Diogenes. So Diogenes, even with all of this sort of uh, ruffling feathers that he does, uh, the powerful people recognize that he is wise, that he has figured something out. So speaking of Diogenes, his he had a a desire to be as free and independent of anyone else as possible. And he took this to really 
ridiculous extremes. Like, for example, in order to not be dependent on uh, sexual gratification anymore, Diogenes openly masturbated in public. And when people chided him for this, he said, if I could rub my stomach to make my hunger go away, I would do that too. So he was really kind of a crazy asshole, uh, but he has a point. And he's sort of like a, you can kind of think of him as like a Greek Thoreau who is intent on living with nothing. Uh, in fact, he even, uh, he had that water bowl at one point and he threw it away because he realized that he could drink with just his hands. Uh, that's the kind of crazy madman that we're talking about. But he's a crazy madman who embodies the ideal of the cynics, namely that you should not live with luxuries, you should not uh, try to integrate with society, really. You should try to live independently and not be dependent on society for the basic trappings of life. In other words, you can live a perfectly happy existence without depending on anyone for anything. And uh, that does kind of make you into an asshole because if you're walking around masturbating in public, you're gonna look like an asshole. Uh, but you're not dependent on having a wife or uh, sex or anything anymore, you know? And it's the same thing with food. He didn't have a farm or any money. He would just walk around eating trash, essentially. So if Diogenes existed today, he would almost certainly be like a freegan, uh, weird gutter hippie laying around in the street living off of scraps and in that sense I am kind of repulsed by him uh, but he has a point and he is he is living his life in a way in, a, in accordance with nature that is the goal of the cynics. It is to live a happy life by completely shunning human society and living like an animal. That is, in their eyes, that is the truest, happiest form of man. In other words, if we were to think in terms of a the tabula rasa, uh, a blank slate, when a human being is born, when you're a child, you're, you're already happy. You're inherently happy. You, you have nothing. You are wallowing around in your own filth. You shit in a diaper. You eat mushy food. You don't know anything about the world. And you're happy. You're perfectly happy. Of course, a baby is completely dependent on its parents. But to Diogenes, that baby's happiness is what we should really be striving for. Not trying to find happiness in purchasing consumer electronics or in joining a social movement or a political movement. Uh, 
definitely not in religion. And Diogenes makes no claims to be following in the footsteps of any deity or to be worshiping any deity. Uh, he simply lives the way that uh, is simplest to him, and that is to live with nothing. Um, but he's also not a very pious man. He doesn't uh, take the attitude that he is uh, better in, in living this way. Uh, it's just, he's honest about it. This is, this is how human beings are. This is really what we are. We're just animals. And we can be happy as animals. I'll leave you with this one final anecdote about Diogenes. He, he was found one day walking around a village uh, with a lamp and um, kind of guiding himself around with this lamp as though he were looking for something. And it, it was this uh, marketplace in the village. Um, lots of people were around. And finally, someone went up to him and said, Diogenes, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Why do, you, why do you have this lamp? Are you looking for something? What are, like, what are you doing? And he simply said, I am looking for an honest man. I think that really summarizes Diogenes' view. He's basically a misanthropist. He, he hates what humanity has become through development of cities and societies. He thinks that the best version of man is the original version of man, which is a man alone in nature, living according to his own whims. And he thinks that everything else we pile up to dissuade ourselves from that basic happiness of just laying around in the sun. His happiness came from nature. The sun was what made him happy. And when Alexander stood over him and blocked the sun, he became irritated because Alexander the Great is blocking my sun. When we get into the mindset of Diogenes that nature is the source of our happiness and we don't require anything else, we need absolutely nothing else to be happy, these kind of statements make a lot of sense. Of course he would be irritated by Alexander the Great being in front of him. He's distracting him from the beautiful sun that he's enjoying. I think there's a lot that we can get out of this teaching. Uh, the cynics influenced Christianity quite a bit as well. They were also around at the same time that the early Christians were preaching and spreading the Gospels. And uh, it kind of shows. You can kind of see the, um, the shunning of, of pleasures, material pleasures especially, um, kind of aligns with uh, the Catholic mode of, of being, I think. Um, I think we can get a lot out of this. I think that, you know, as especially in these trying times when we're, we're all kind of under maximum stress, you know, Diogenes is this crazy man in the woods who not only has not 
succumbed to loneliness or isolation. He embraces isolation. He embraces being uh, not part of society and living a self-determined life using nature as his source of happiness and joy, everything that he needs. And I think we can, we can all learn from that, uh, even, even in these trying times, even when things start to get somewhat normal again, uh, we need to remember that we basically are animals. And our happiness does not depend on how well we integrate with society. We can live happy lives with almost no friends, no associates. All we need is food, water, sunlight, and some shelter. And that was kind of Diogenes' point. Well, I think that is probably all I have to say for now. So I will sign off and have a great night, if it's night, wherever you are.